Why did the watermelon and the honeydew have a big wedding? Because they cantaloupe. It can fill a room and take up no space. It can make people crazy, happy, cry and even sick. I hurt the most when lost, yet also when not had at all. I'm sometimes the hardest to express, but easiest to ignore. I can be given to many, or just one. It is priceless, but it can be given freely. I can be powerful, tender, deep, and sometimes complicated and blind at the same time. What am I? Love. But what does love look like? Let me pray. Jesus, as we spend time in your word today, would you wash over us afresh? Would you remind us of your love for each one of us and for the world in which you have placed us, the creation that you have blessed us with? And Holy Spirit, would you speak to us deep to deep today? Would you brood over us? Would you challenge and encourage us? Amen. Mary and I are different people. If you were to ask us about the depiction of love in the movies, for Mary, it would be something like Pride and Prejudice. Not just any version, the BBC version. Whereas for me, it would be The Princess Bride. Inconceivable. But in our marriage, I demonstrated love for Mary when I fainted in the hallway of the dentist when Mary was having her wisdom teeth out. And you can ask Mary about that later. For me, it was Mary taking two days in her first, and I am now reliably informed, her last effort of making a triple choc cheesecake with salted peanut caramel that I had been eyeing off for 10 years and wanting to make. After 32 years of marriage, I would have to say that God did a pretty good job of matching us together. After all, Mary has the gift of giving and I have the gift of receiving. <laughs> In his book, um, Chapman, Five Love Languages, um, which is, is a worthwhile read, there are five different languages that are expressed with nuance and context and that each um, of these love languages helps to fill different people and their love tank. Like petrol in a tank, our love tank longs to be filled. Or in today's EV language and the marketplace, the battery that needs to be charged. Knowing and feeling love can make a huge difference in our life. Being filled or refueled or recharged and recharging the other person's love tank or for others to help us to feel loved. The way love is expressed can make a significant difference for us. The five love languages suggested by Chapman are words of affirmation, including encouraging words, kind words, humble words, quality time, which includes being together, quality conversations and doing activities together. The giving of gifts, 
including physical gifts of, um, or money, the gift of self, being fully present with someone. It doesn't have to be an expensive gift. It can be a thoughtful gift. Acts of service. Not about being subservient, but showing love for others by doing things that others appreciate and show that, that they are valued. Physical touch. Extending beyond just sexual intimacy, it can be the expression of love through a hand on a shoulder during grief or a hug. But love must be expressed consistently. Consider someone whose love language is gift-giving. Then for me to show love to them by giving them an expensive gift, but then writing in the card that they're useless and, and that they're not worth anything doesn't demonstrate love, does it? There needs to be consistency. Sure, their love language might be acts of service. So they go to the effort of giving you a night off from cooking by cooking you a wonderful meal. But when they go to sit down and eat, they go and sit in another room separate from you. You're not going to feel really loved through that, are you? The key to what Chapman talks about is that when another person loves you through your love language, not just theirs, they have interpreted and understood you, understand how you feel, how you experience love, and that shows you that they care about you. So what does God's love look like? Well, if the children's song is correct, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Then what does it say about God's love for us? Well, in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 20 to 23, it says this. It reminds us that even during our deepest and darkest struggles, God still loves us. Jeremiah writes this. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. It's not about denying the tough stuff that we go through. But then he goes on to say, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. So today, while we're going to briefly skip through the Bible... May you, in the highs and lows of life, may you know afresh God's love for you. Acts of service. Once again, it's not just about being subservient, but it's showing love for others by doing things that they appreciate and are valued by others. Jesus demonstrates God's love um, for us by the way that he serves. In John chapter 13, verse 1, and then through to verses 3 to 5, we read this. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, 
drying them with a towel he had around him. Jesus' posture in John 13, in Luke 22, verse 27, and in Philippians 2, are all demonstrations of Jesus' loving service to us. Not just to his first disciples, but also throughout history to us today. Jesus serves us, not as foreigners, not as distant people, disconnected, but as part of his family. We read in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Jesus still serves and supports and cares for us. Not because we are so wonderful, not because we are so deserving, but because of the depth and the breadth of God's love for us. Because of this grafting in, because of this adopting of us into God's family, we look back on many of the promises that are given throughout the Bible in the Old Testament as well, um, and, and the words that are spoken about Israel can often equally apply to us. We can receive these words offered to us as well. Words of affirmation, including encouraging words, kind words, and humble words. In Jeremiah Chapter 31, verse 3, we read, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Today, we experience God's love as he promises that he loves us with an everlasting love. Not a fickle love, not a conditional love, when you do this, I will love you. Not a limited love, but a strong, resilient and unrelenting love for us. A love that longs to see us respond to be close to him. Echoing Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus that we read from earlier, John writes in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, See how much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And that is what we are, to be known as a child of God, to be invited into God's family, for God to love us and he calls us his children, is affirming words to us. Through our adoption, God wants to reassure us and affirm to us that we are his children, that God knows you by name and that you are precious to him. Now, Satan wants to tell us that that you know, God doesn't really love us, that God's out to get you, that um, he, Satan wants to fill our hearts and our minds with doubts and fears. But God, God loves you. So yes, God will sometimes discipline you, but don't give up in these times of discipline. It's done in love. It's done for love as Hebrews 12 talks about. Now, I wonder, for those that are super romantics here or listening, um, has anyone ever written a love song especially for you? 
written a song, penned the words, crafted the music around it, and then sung that to you. Not a rose is a red rhyme, but a deep, rich love song. What would it mean to you if someone would do that for you? To sing that song over you with tenderness and care. My guess is you'd probably feel pretty special, pretty loved. Maybe a bit self-conscious, but certainly loved. We are loved by God, a God who loves us through song. So when we experience fear and trouble and doubt, we can look forward to God singing over us. A book that you may not have read, but is well worth a read, Zephaniah. Zephaniah 3 verses 14 to 17, we read these words. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice for all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. For the Lord will remove his hand of judgment and will disperse the armies of your enemy. And the Lord himself, the King of Israel, will live among you. The last of your troubles will be over, and you will never again fear disaster. On that day, the announcement to Jerusalem will be, Cheer up, Zion. Don't be afraid. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty saviour. He will take delight in you, uh, in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. God loves you and rejoices over you with singing. And here you were thinking that we were the only ones that did the singing and that we would just sing to God. But God tells us that he rejoices over us and sings over us with joyful song. Quality time, which includes being together, quality conversations and activities. Paul reflects on God's loving relationship with us and being present with us. He puts it like this in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 and then 37 to 39. Can anything ever separate us from the Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us when we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ, who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fear for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we feel as though the circumstances of life deny God's love for us. Paul encourages us to remember that God's love defies the circumstances. That in the challenges, we are to be encouraged to turn our eyes, turn our hearts to God and to focus on God. Not living in denial about the stuff that goes on around us, but to take comfort that this challenge does not separate us from God who is with us and wants to draw us close to God during these times 
as is echoed in Isaiah 43, 1-3. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Physical touch, expressed through love, a hand on the shoulder, um, during grief, a hug, a warm embrace. Jesus demonstrated physical touch, not just to those that were close to him, but to those who were considered outcasts by society and religious standards. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 to 3, we read, Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him, breaking social norms, breaking religious tradition, breaking the standards of culture of the day. I am willing. He said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. Jesus demonstrated love to those to whom others looked on as being an annoyance, an inconvenience, one of those interruptions in the day. Jesus offered them loving physical touch. In Mark chapter chapter 10, verses 13 to 16, we read this. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. And lastly, the giving of gifts, including physical gifts or money, the gift of self, of being fully present to someone. It doesn't have to be an expensive gift, but it's especially good when it's a thoughtful gift. There are many ways that God demonstrates his love for us through the giving of gifts. The giving of our very life and breath. Creation, as we've talked about already this morning. Jesus and Paul talk about the giving of the Holy Spirit that is, a, that is given to us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, we read this. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And with the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, indwelling us, we receive spiritual gifts, empowering us today. And also the gift of the Holy Spirit guarantees that Jesus will come back for us to be with us for all eternity. At this Christmas time, we remember the greatest gift of all time. In John 3.16, we are reminded, for this is how God loved the world, that he gave his only, one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, 
but have eternal life. In Jesus, through his birth, his life, his death and his resurrection, we see the, and experience the ultimate reality of true, of perfect, of unending love. So as a recipient of this love, it only stands to reason that we should seek to respond to God's love for us, to move closer to God in relationship. After all, when asked what is the most important thing for us to do, Jesus said, it comes down to love. In Matthew 22, 36 to 40, Teacher, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbour as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. The commands of love. I remember going through Chapman's book and reading it as a devotional out of a desire to, to discover how I might show God's love through my primary love language, physical touch. I remember wondering, okay, so how do I show God that I love him through physical touch? Like a you know, I can't just go around hugging air and that sort of stuff. It just looks a bit silly. Um, then God reminded me of Matthew 25, verse 40. When you do it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you are doing it to me. I demonstrate and show love to God through physical touch. How I touch? When do I touch? When do I not touch? to try and make a habit of asking permission before I, showed, uh, before I touch, to honour and to love others. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 that we are Christ's ambassadors. Today, we are called to represent a loving God. When we love, not just loving someone but when we are called to even go to the furthest um, areas of the world to represent God's love to others. We love others as God wants us to love, as we also experience God's love. So as parents, we are not just loving our children as a parent loves a child, but as Christian parents, we are called to represent God's love in the way that we love our children. As spouses, we don't just love them as a partner, but we also seek to express God's love through us to them. As employers, as employees, as teachers, as students, as neighbours and friends, we are Christ's ambassadors of love calling people's attention to God's love for them as fully represented in the coming of Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas. So what does love look like? It's in Jesus lovingly coming to us, but also 
for us as ambassadors of Jesus in our going out in love to the world. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for the depth and the breadth of your love for us. That while we were still caught up in the stuff of life, while we were still chasing after our own desires, while we were still um, wanting to be number one and to be in command of our own life, you loved us. That you died on the cross for us. That you sought to restore our broken relationship with Creator God. We thank you that while we were still in sin, Christ loved us. And Jesus, as we are reminded afresh of your love for us in so many different ways, help us to be good ambassadors for your love to a world that time and time again, when we turn on the news, when we look at the internet, when we see this stuff, in the papers and rage and anger and just the, the unloving behaviour that the world demonstrates to one another. Help us to go against the flow. Help us to demonstrate your love to a world that desperately needs it. In Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen. So how might we respond today? Well, take a moment to think. Words of affirmation, quality time, giving of gifts, acts of service, physical touch. Which of these might be your primary love language? What's the primary love language of those that you know best? Members of your family, friend, neighbour, boss, whatever it might be. How might you love them through their love language, thinking about how they express, experience love. How might you love them through their love language? How have you experienced God's love in your life? And how might you use your love language to show love to God? I invite you to take some time. There's going to be some music played. Use this time to do business with God, to use those response cards or for those at home to use the chat function as well and to respond to the things that God's saying to us today. God bless you.